0: Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This is week three of this series, Live Ready, Remaining Faithful in Difficult Times. Let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's Word has for us with our lead pastor, Antoine Lasseter. Thank you for uh, worshiping with us. If you don't mind, can I just jump right into uh, what I believe that God God has for our church? And if you're watching online, uh, thank you for watching. Uh, This is week number three, Live Ready. Uh, week number one, we talked about living with hope, and our hope, what Peter is saying, First Peter, uh, is in Christ Jesus. My hope is not in my skin color. My hope is not in the country that I live. My hope is not in my marriage. My hope is in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. My salvation is secured in him and it's rooted in his resurrection. Amen. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then Pastor Ramon walked with us through living, um, living holy. That's not a word that you hear a lot in, in, in church, but holiness is still right. Okay, I'm going to preach. Uh, holiness is reflected in the nature and the character of God. That's why Peter, that's why the scripture says, be thou holy, for he is holy. Holiness is expressed in the genuine love responding to the gospel. My works don't make me holy. Our works don't make us holiness. It's expressed by a new life received from a gracious God. Uh, So, News flash when Peter is writing uh, to the church, um, uh, in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. I just want that to sink in for a moment. If you haven't lived long enough to know that in this world, you and I will have trouble. But I love the word but because but changes what I just said. But take heart. Take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Yeah, see, if I was in a Christian church, they would go nuts off that. But anyway, uh, Jesus has overcome the world. So suffering isn't new to anyone. Generally, choosing suffering makes you different, not that you suffer. So as Christians, we are literally choosing to suffer. Ain't that crazy? Why would we choose suffering? I got a whole list of things that I'd rather do than suffer. Because the reality of it is believers and non-believers suffer. But Peter is writing to Christians, and he doesn't pull any punches, and he's writing to warn and encourage. You will face opposition. But with that opposition, you will have the f- opportunity to live out your faith. Yeah. And that's the privilege. <laughs> like, the privilege is that when we suffer, not if, but when we suffer, we have the privilege of living out our faith. But we suffer with hope. Yeah, yeah. And we know the why behind it. This is the living hope. And as believers, no one or no circumstance can take away this hope. This hope is because of the inheritance that we have obtained. We have obtained this inheritance through Christ Jesus. That's why in 1 Peter 1 and 13, he says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action." be sober-minded, and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Now you know better. I need to write a translation, the Antoine (laughs) Translation. Uh, So how we live is based on who we are, and and Peter is going to walk through us with us um, because I'm going to get ahead of myself, and then I'm going to back up. But it literally boils down to identity. Very important. And Peter, as a pastor of sorts, uh, is reminding the people of who they are in Christ. And that's a common thing, who we are in Christ and so uh, let's just jump into 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. And if you don't mind, can we stand for the reading of God's word? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through uh, 12. Uh, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, desire pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up into your salvation for, uh, yeah, for your salvation. Grow up into your salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, mm, as you come to him, a living stone, As as you come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion a chosen, an honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But see how that changes the tone? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the whole church said amen. Amen. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. He coming back. And so conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, the world. So when they slander you, not if, but when they slander you as evildoers, they will see your good works. Glorify God on the day he visits. Father, bless the reading of this word, of your word. You may be seated. Now, remember, Paul, Peter, Peter is writing to a persecuted church. We'll get in it next week, but believers were being martyred uh, for their faith. They were locked up, and Peter wants to remind them that no matter how hard it gets, your identity is in Christ. And that is the fuel that keeps you going. So he's saying we have transferred our citizenship from this world, and it, this world, is no longer our home. Verse number 11. We are to live as strangers. That's, that's this section of First Peter that we're going to be journeying. We're going to live ready, but he's calling us, Tiffany, to live as strangers. You should be different. Not the different that you say, but, but we should be different. So chapter 2 begins with one word, therefore. Therefore, because of what you heard prior, First Peter 1. Therefore, because you live with hope that's found in Christ Jesus, because you are called, because we are called to live holy. At one time, we didn't know any better. So we were the life of the party, and we did what the world did. But now, Peter in, uh, Peter in chapter 2 says, Therefore, whatever keeps us from bringing glory to God that is what we must get rid of. Peter is now giving practical advice about what holy holiness looks like. He says, you are to get rid of. Notice Peter says, rid yourselves. This is on us. In active, in active obedience to Jesus, we must rid ourselves of malice, all deceit. All deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, malice, uh, evil doings, evil stuff. He is literally saying, "Hey, because of we, because we live with hope, and there's pressures to persecute us. Because we are called to be holy, therefore, we, us, all of us, we get rid of evil." within ourselves. We get rid of slander and deceit. Uh, malice is hoping for another person's harm. Deceit is intentionally being dishonest, you know, sprinkled with manipulation. Hypocrisy, holding others to standards that you have no intentions living up to yourself, but reminding people of their shortcomings. Not any, not this church, those people that meet down the street He says, uh, envy, resentful discontent, resentment towards someone who has what you want. He says, this is what uh, you have to rid yourselves of because this is the great divide. It's ridding ourselves of what divides us and to what unifies us. And so this is the picture of what repentance is. It's the recognizing that I have these sins and I have to turn away from the sin and turn towards God. He's saying, rid yourself of this. Simply put, he's saying, Alana, this is what he's saying. We've got to change our appetite because we are... Able to change it because remember, uh, in in the scriptures to come, uh, the the next verse, he says, because we have tasted. And because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that should be the thing that draws us. So he says the cravings for holiness is what we should now be experiencing. It's the cravings of God's word. And he says, okay, if you're going to rid yourself of these malice, malice, slander, uh, envy, hypocrisy, we have to change. He's going to change, help us change our, our appetites because God's word God's word grows, up, grows us up. And so if we don't have the word... That's our standard. If we don't have the regular listening and obeying uh, the word of God, how are we to be matured? Because I know a lot of people that can quote scripture. It's the application of that scripture that we sometimes have problems with. We inherently know what to do. Man, it's amazing the advice I could give other people and the advice I don't even take for myself. It's amazing how it's, we're so clear. Oh, are you praying? Are you fasting? Sir, are you praying and are you fasting? <laughs> so we have tasted the Lord, that the Lord is good. We crave the holy. We desire what he desires. And we walk in active obedience. This is not a change in behavior, but our very nature. Because we can look the part and be far from God. And this is the transforming of our hearts, which is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. So we pursue God because he pursued us and, we, and revealed himself to us, and now we go to him. It's God working through the Holy Spirit to change our appetites because how and what you eat fuels you. And the Holy Spirit moves us from impure appetites to a a pure one, feasting on the word, putting away those negative attitudes that lead to negative behavior. The Holy Spirit grows our appetite. And in doing so, we must put aside the junk food that corrupts us. Jesus in John chapter four, verse 34 says it this way. He said, his meat, his food is to do the will of the father. In other words, what feeds me, Jesus, what feeds Jesus is doing the will of the father. What is your appetite leading you to do? And many of us, if we take a A clear evaluation of us. Our appetites are unhealthy. Uh, Let me um, share this analogy with you. There was a farmer who had two dogs. And every weekend he will fight those two dogs in the city. And everybody would gather. And he would do this week after week after week. And the farmer accurately, every week for six months, accurately pointed out. Which dog was going to win? He said, uh, so they're betting, and he said, Cain, this week Cain is going to win. And lo and behold, Cain won. Then two weeks from there, it's like Spike is going to win. And lo and behold, Spike won. And his friends kept watching him and finally said, how are, how are you so aware of who is going to win? And the farmer responded by, you see, the week before I feed one dog and I starve the other. I starve the other. The dog I feed is the one who becomes stronger, and so he wins the fight. The one that fed, the one that gets fed is the one that wins. Stop blaming God for our behavior, our consequences. It's because it's the one we're feeding that's winning. If our appetite consists of Twinkies, cupcakes, and things that do us harm, then we can determine whether we're going to win or whether we're going to lose. Our appetite determines our actions. So Jesus goes to the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 for 40 days and 40 nights. And after he's tempted, after he uh, goes to fast and to pray for 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry. And Jesus was tempted by the enemy to eat. And the scriptures are clear that Jesus is hungry. Yeah. You and I are hungry. The question is, what are we hungry for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a few weeks ago, we talked about a few months, uh, COVID months, so it's probably six years ago. Um, <laughs> we, we talked about uh, blessed... Are uh, Those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, for they should be filled. So if we thirst and hunger for righteousness, he will fill us. But are we thirsty? And are we hungry? Because we thirsty. But what are we thirsty for? And so in the internal battles literally determines our character, the quality of our relationships. So here's a a sub-message to the big message. Number one, be intentional with what you eat. Man, listen, I've had some great days that I listened to the news and was instantly depressed. And so I have to determine, I have to be intentional with what I eat. Uh, Newsflash, be around the right people. Hey, some of our friends are so miserable that we need to switch gears and we need to see them as ministry. Because if we hang around them too long, uh, unfortunately, we're not influencing them. They are influencing us. Be careful and be intentional around the people that you are and be watchful with your thoughts. These are just subpoints; They're not developed. Uh, but I want us to understand our appetites because holiness isn't just what you avoid, but it's also what you pursue. And so the appetite, man, it's like, yo, I'm going through this thing with, with, with Jesus and, and some of my issues and I'm fasting and I'm just like, oh my God, I did not know that I was craving And now, in order for me, us, uh, holiness is not just what we don't do. Holiness is what we do. We pray. We fast. We read. We gather. We seek his face. Even if it means losing sleep. We lose sleep for temporary things, but find it a chore for eternal things. So chapter, verse number four. Become, because as you come to Jesus, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by people, as we come to Jesus, uh, according to verse number four, Jesus being the living stone because he is the cornerstone. Uh, so much in the cornerstone, so much, uh, and, and every preacher wants to preach on the cornerstone because Jesus is the cornerstone, the, 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 the stone that the builders rejected. Jesus carries the weight. Jesus is the foundation. Every other stone, and then we as we As we continue to go and read scripture, every he calls us living stones. Well, we are living stones, smaller stones, building, uh, he's building us up on the cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. There is no other way whereby men can be saved except through Jesus Christ. There is no other way that may hurt your faith. Your friends' feelings, but the truth of the matter is no one can get to God the Father without Jesus Christ the Son. He is the cornerstone. It's the resurrection. They can call him a teacher. They can call him a philosopher, and they still miss it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The cornerstone of our faith is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our, all our hope is in who Jesus says he is, period. As we accept Christ, we are poured out of darkness. And we must lead good lives, not because we lo- lose God's mercy, but because we represent him to the world around us. You, sir, Represent God to your friends. Parents, we represent God to our children. Co-workers, yeah, that hit. (laughs) Bam! We represent God to our students. When our plate when we at a restaurant and they messed up our order four times. We represent how we respond. I don't know what your thing is. When you're when you're you got no margins to get to work. It takes you 17 minutes and you 44 minutes away. Though you late, just 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 breathe it in. You're late. That person who, who cut you off, you represent God. When you're sitting at your desk and you got 456 pens already at home and something says, you know what, you don't, you don't, you don't need another pen. You Represent God to the office supply store. You represent God to people. So Peter is reminding the people of God, not only who Jesus is, but who we are in Jesus. But here's where we have sort of sugarcoated the gospel, because Peter is dealing with what Jesus becomes to the believer. He becomes our honor. He becomes our hope. He becomes our, our trust. He becomes our everything. But to the non-believer, Jesus becomes a stumbling block. He trips them up. And, oh, God. And, and so Jesus is hope to some who accepted the message, who responded, while at the same time, it's, it's, it's the things that the world has constantly put out. I mean, I, I think Jesus is a good guy. And so he becomes a stumbling block. Jesus, in, in John chapter 14, verse 6, says, I am the way, not a way. I am the way, the truth. Won't deny that some, some other faiths may have an element of truth, but they're not the truth. Don't you fool yourself. We have the truth and the life. No one, no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. Now, I used to think this was elementary. I used to think that all believers know that. But you can walk long enough to see that this is actually being debated in a church. Those who reject Jesus by refusing to place their faith in him will stumble over him. And their refusal to believe in Jesus leads them away from eternal life. Period. So so what Peter does is reinforces to them. About who they are. So, number two, first was God changes appetite. Number two, it's all about identity. Verse number nine, he says, But you are a chosen race, it's a new way of life, a royal priesthood, you have new access to God, a holy nation, new government new kingdom, a people of his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All believers are priests with direct access to our Father. We need no other mediator. I am not your mediator between you and Jesus. We are his people. We belong to God. Our response to his mercy and his goodness is to to declare his praises. Think about the words chosen race. not talking about ethnicity. We're talking about spiritual people for his possession. You have been chosen by God himself. We all know what it means to be rejected. It's part of the wounds. The desire to be accepted can motivate us to do just about anything. But he is declaring that you and I have been chosen by God. We are a royal priesthood, royalty. That means there's a status of a king or a queen. We're a member of a kingdom family. You are not just accepted, but you are valuable. Playing small, not in the sense of humility, but playing small as, in, as a sense of proclaiming the gospel in a loving way does not benefit this world. A holy nation, a people of his possession. Some of us right now, under the sound of my voice, cannot accept that. Because what we, ex- we accept what we become used to. So you heard me say this, that our identity is forged uh, by our environment, our education, and experience. And nothing challenges your identity more than suffering. And that is why Peter is reminding them of who they are. Identity must be rooted in how God sees us, And that's rooted in how we see God. That's why Peter constantly is reminding his audience, us, of who they are in Christ. If you've ever had a counseling session with me, I constantly remind you of who you are in Christ. Because of our education an experience, an environment, that can be a huge divide between knowing God's truth intellectually and living it out. I can repeat, you and I can repeat the words of Scripture, but find it difficult to believe in them. So when we hear what in Philippians chapter 2 verse 15, that, that, that we can be blameless and innocent through Christ... My my prevailing belief is that these words don't describe me. And so I play out who I intrinsically believe I am in everything that I do. Life experience can cause you to feel unworthy and stained and, and impure, so you believe that God sees you this way. You then create and live out an identity based on your actions, which is contrary to how God sees you. So we have to spend time challenging the false beliefs, uprooting the false belief we have about ourselves. Ephesians 4 and 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Because living out our identity based on how God sees us we are no longer slaves to this world, and, and we no longer find value in our external circumstances. Let me break it down. Suffering doesn't change that I am loved by God. So Peter spends his time, um, Bridget, uh, saying, listen, you're suffering because of the ruler and because of the government and because of this, but you are chosen people. He's constantly reminding them because nothing challenges our identity like suffering. Am I in the will of God? Am I a son or daughter? Am I um, a, a priest? Can I? And so what, the, what Peter constantly does, tip he constantly reminds them, this is who you are. This is who God says you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. He keeps repeating it. He keeps saying suffering doesn't change your status as a son or daughter. Suffering and problems do not change the realization of who I am in Christ. So the enemy spends an exorbitant amount of time attacking our identity. And that's why Peter keeps repeating or addressing who they are, who they are. It's a fundamental question that most of us have. Is who am I? What am I called to do? And so immaturity leads us to doing. And so we, we connect that doing to who we are. And we get applause from the people that celebrate us for our accomplishments, and the kingdom works opposite. I don't want you doing first, I want you being. I want you to accept that you are a chosen people and that Christ took all of it for our benefit, and now I just have to accept this is who I am. I am loved by God. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. There's nothing wrong with having a healthy uh, view of who God says we are. But tainted by the flesh, we become arrogant and prideful. It's the humility that keeps us going before God, dependent on God. External circumstances does not determine my value. I can be rich in God's eyes and poor in this world. It's identity. So identity leads to actions. And so, verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles to abstain. I'm sorry. Among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works. It will glorify God on the day he visits. So he changes our appetites. and He cements our identity in Christ so that we can be ambassadors. You see the progression in this. We have to understand that because we are children of God, we rid ourselves of this world and, and all its trappings, and so the beauty of God is, is, is real. It's is so, is so pure in these few verses. We're only in on chapter two, and how the appetite and our desires and our longings and our cravings uh, can, can be a manifestation or, or could be an evidence of our sinful nature. We crave it. But the more we feed ourselves with the fellowship of the saints, the reading of God's word, the prayer, the thinking on those things, whatever is pure, think on those things. As more as we can focus ourselves, it's not ridding ourselves or avoiding necessarily, it's also pursuing. And so 2 Corinthians 5 and 18 says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Christ compared to those who do not know Christ, our lives should be different because of our identity in Christ. We don't argue people into the kingdom. We don't beat people into the kingdom. Christians were accused during this time of horrible crimes. Uh, Going to get to it more next week, but pagans accused the Christians of when they were doing communion of eating flesh Literal flesh and drinking the blood of babies. That's what the Christians were being accused of. Christians wouldn't participate in cultural activities and they they were considered atheists because they wouldn't worship idols. And all these accusations were coming, but it did not change. And Peter is admonishing them, do not let that change your behavior. Don't become bitter because you're being persecuted. Don't become bitter because you're being ostracized. We used to be in. They used to come to us. They used to come to us and ask us what we thought about laws and how we think we should. Now they're not doing that anymore. Don't become bitter. Don't change how you conduct yourselves because the world is watching. Our identity determines how we live and we are to live as ambassadors for Christ. How do we respond when suffering seems to creep at our door? Not only are we battling the rage the ravages of sin, living in a broken world, but now, as Peter in this letter, but I think it's a message to us all, there's a threat of suffering. Keep preaching the gospel, Pastor. You can't preach this, you can't preach that, you can't say this, and there's a threat of suffering. And so, what Peter is saying, listen, don't lose who you are. Don't compromise your way out of the kingdom. Now, suffering is because of the brokenness around us, sin and its effects on the earth and us. We notice the sin. We notice the sickness and the disease, crime and injustice. But this obviously, when he talks about get rid of, he's not he's, this is not an inclusive list. There are more things to get rid of, but there is a bitterness that can come out of your present suffering. We went from crying, Lord, how long? How long, Lord, to crying? I don't think it's worth it. Because identity determines responsibility. If we are in Christ, okay, so my identity, I'm a father. With that identity and that declaration becomes responsibility. And so as Christians, being a child of God, is isn't for identity only, but we have the responsibilities attached to it. We are to be salt and light. We are to be children of God that bring in a new way. This is what Peter is asking or, or telling us, that we should have an appetite for holiness. It's not just getting rid of bad stuff. It's pursuing. And it's when it's possible. When it's possible for us, we are to seek peace. We are to make whatever we've gone better than before we got there. Verse number 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You have not received mercy, but now you received mercy since we are God's people having received mercy we give it we used to be scattered nomads wandering through life seeking to belong we find like-minded ideas and we belong to it some of us join fraternities some of us civic organizations nothing wrong with those in and of itself unless that's what you get your identity from So if you're not meeting, your identity is lost. And and Peter is saying, you're no longer nomads, you're a people. Because you're a people, he says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers, live as strangers, temporary, foreigners. Notice that once again, he's talking about our identity. I am an ambassador of Christ, but my identity has to be rooted because even in preaching we have to be careful preachers that oh great sermon worship leaders god oh, you really led us today and that becomes a performance seeking after the applause of people got to be careful got to be careful and so he said conduct yourselves honorably because understand that our identity determines our behavior so what we inherently believe is what we do. I can't share the gospel. Who says you can't? can't share the gospel like this guy. That's his testimony. But the gospel is the same. He's placed us as ambassadors throughout the city, not just Cannapolis. We've got folks in Cleveland County. We've got folks in Rowan County. He has placed us in these different areas to be ambassadors open your mouth. They're waiting for your arrival. And could it be that the tension that we are living in now is our rejection of who we are in Christ and that he's placed us in hostile places we have to share our gospel, share our faith, but the people may reject it. But identity has become a big thing now. I identify as and there's laws and legislation that 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 promote that I just want to know where the Christians are I identified as a Christians a, a born-again blood-washed believer I need the Christians to come out the closet because If identity is so important, why we don't declare who we are? We are to live as strangers in a foreign land. Many of us are going to be planning uh, vacations. We're going to be going, especially this summer. I missed out last summer. So, This is what I mean when we. I believe that the Lord is saying live as strangers. You're going to pack enough for the visit, but you don't plan on staying there. And that's how we are supposed to live as Christians. I have enough for the visit, but I don't plan on staying here. But while I'm here, that's what... Peter says, I'm going to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. And so if we don't see ourselves as strangers, that means we have occupied territory for no other person, no other purpose, but to build our small K kingdom. I am getting so disgruntled. That's my tribe. That's my tribe. This is what's being said in the church. When I see another believer, we in the same tribe. Somehow we gotta get to the point where we take back this thing with us first. Listen, if you walk with me closely, you know I don't like suffering. I don't like needles. I don't like pain. I don't like being uncomfortable at all. But when I read scriptures, can't get past the fact that many suffered for Christ's sake can't get past the fact that when Jesus said that some will lose houses in my name I thought it was foolishness of finances I didn't know that some Christians in the early church their houses were burned that Nero literally literally stitched the skin of Christians to wild animals we are talking about that next week that that the persecution of the church was that they put wax on Christians and used them as candles to light a city. (sighs) Bruh. And I'm talking about the toothache. I'm talking about low-hanging fruit. And many of our conditions is personal choice got nothing to do with Christ. So I want to leave you with. i leave you. I want us in the coming weeks. I always want to. to, to three things I want you to, to leave with. The head, the heart, and the hand. That the head is what we understand. And I want, I want you to understand. I want you to understand. Who you are in Christ. Like, I, I want you to understand that in your head. I, I, don't, I don't know if you have to keep repeating it. Uh, I, I want you to understand who I am in Christ, who I am in Christ. I want you to engulf yourself in the reading of God's word to combat. Let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus to combat the false beliefs. It's your head. I want you to get your, so your head. Your head. I want you to understand that your identity determines your behavior. And we've got to get this head right in your heart. I want you to feel and ask God to to fill you with an honest desire to please God by pursuing Him. I mean with everything you have. My heart is to please the Father. My meat, my food is to please the Father. And if you don't have that longing, you don't have that appetite, I dare you, as, as uh, I think Nate said it in Why We Call This Church, Think Kingdom, that, that he was, he's a rewarder of those that sincerely seek him. He's not hiding himself from you. I read a story about this guy was getting a haircut. He was at the barbershop. And the guy said, if God is real, if Jesus is real, he was talking to a pastor. He says, Jesus is real. Why don't he just show himself? that everybody will believe. He said, and so the, the pastor, you know, they went back and forth, and then the, 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 the barber started laughing, and the pastor was fervently trying to persuade them that he's real, that he's real. He's real. If you seek him, he's real. He comes out of the barbershop. Across the street, there's a homeless man. Homeless man doesn't have a haircut brings the homeless man back he said I see all you barbers but this guy needs a haircut him needing a haircut doesn't mean you're not real we have to show the world who Christ is how do they know that he's real you are the walking testament to the it's the body of Christ that reveals that he's real stop looking for burning bushes Look through your history and see how God kept you. If you're not confident about anything else, Melissa, he brought me. I got too much history with God to deny him and his work in my life. My wife is a testament to how God has kept us. God is keeping us. Don't shy away from who he is. Don't let this world determine who he is, who he is to you. Who is God to you? Because he's placed us in heaven, people. We are being read by men. But some of us lost spouses and you're still here. That's a testament to God. Some of us lost babies and infants and they're still worshiping God. That's a testament to who he is this week i want you to put in your hand one question lord what you want me to do cuz i promise you if you, if you send me i'll go people may not come to this church but they're coming to you he's orchestrated you to be where you are to make his make his glory known whatever ministry that he bursts from you go forth knowing that the suffering for him to get the glory can you do what God called you to do and still suffer and while they're trying to see she's about to put down God now she's about to give up on God now and you just say man and all of a sudden a saint call you I've been praying for you all of a sudden a, a scripture pops in your spirit you begin to meditate on that scripture both day and night and somehow the circumstance hasn't changed sometimes the circumstance hasn't changed but all of a sudden you feel something and you can't describe it that is what the world is calling for is he real my first question Marcus is he real to you why are we doing this is he real to you they are waiting for you sweet to open your mouth we are pointing for somebody else to go who we feel that's more qualified, that we feel it has together. He's positioned you. Pastor Antoine with week three's installment of "Live Ready, Let's take heart in God-changing our appetites, knowing it's about our identities and that we are ambassadors. If you or someone you know is blessed by anything you hear on this podcast, you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. We want to thank you to all of our new friends, now family of Think Kingdom. And if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message, so much more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.